0: Hello, everyone. I'm Brian Carrington, and you're listening to Call Talk for December 15th, 2016. Today's topic is culture and agent compliance rules versus trust. And, of course, if you're listening live, I'd like to invite you to be a part of the show and ask questions. And the easiest, best way to do it is just to email me directly. And do that at brian at benchmarkportal.com. That's spelled out B-R-I-A-N at benchmarkportal.com. Of course, I want to remind you that all of our shows are archived and available to listen to at any time that's good for you. And you can find them on our website at benchmarkportal.com. So, without further ado, let's jump into our show. It's my pleasure to introduce the host of Call Talk, Bruce Belfiore.
1: Thank you, Brian, and welcome back to Call Talk, everyone. Today's topic is culture and agent compliance rules versus trust. This is a perennial balancing act for people who are responsible for other people, right? I mean, your own kids, the sports teams you coach, the scouts you lead, and of course, the people that you lead at work. How much do you hem them in by rules, and how much do you let them run on trust? It's often a struggle to figure out how to get the right balance, and many managers have been hurt by situations in which they've trusted people too much or have been humbled by situations in which they've erroneously relied too heavily on rules. So we brought an expert on the topic for you here, Marge Roba. Welcome to the program, Marge.
2: Hi. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to the conversations.
1: Okay, great. Well, uh, just by way of introduction, Marge brings a rich multicultural background to her work, having had international assignments in Argentina, Brazil, Italy, Mexico, the Philippines, and the UK. Uh, Marge has worked extensively with airlines, as well as in management for a mega American Express call center. She was director of global customer service for MasterCard and has worked with Gateway Computers, People Support Outsourcing, and AAA in Arizona. She's consulted for numerous companies and is a senior consultant with Benchmark Portal. She's also fluent in Italian, so Marge and I toyed with the idea of just doing the show all in Italian with maybe some interludes sung by Andrea Bocelli. But but Brian nixed that one, right, Brian? No way. It could have been fun. But uh, anyway... Uh, so, okay, March. Let, let's jump right into it. And before we get into the purely management aspects of rules and regulations, I want to ask you about the, the legal elements also that we need to be aware of, because contact centers today are facing ever-increasing compliance requirements, such as PCI, HIPAA, and uh, from a performance perspective, with personal texting, social media, web surfing, what are some of the things management needs to take into consideration in creating policy and management practices around all of these challenges?
2: Well, it's, it's certainly a challenging um, topic, and part of it is, you. Have, you, as you mentioned, you do have the legal aspect of it, so there is this PCI compliance, which with all the hacking and all that goes on becomes ever more important to make sure that you've protected your clients and customers. And then, of course, if you're in the health field, the whole HIPAA requirement of keeping information confidential. The other compliance pieces are the more performance-oriented pieces where you're looking at people's use of cell phones on the floor, um, looking to create a paperless environment to comply with the PCI HIPAA requirements. So it becomes uh, really complicated and, and multifaceted, um, I have a lot of clients that have asked me to help them create their uh, policy around this, and um, they they expect a one size fits all, and it really doesn't. Mm. So mm. it becomes a, a culture issue more than anything else.
1: Yeah, I think I think you're right. It's sort of that sixth sense of where are their uh, issues of risk. Where are there issues of confidentiality, and sort of have everybody on board looking for them and trying to do something for about them instead of uh, just saying okay there's this manual you can open, and it will tell you exactly what to do
2: that's that's exactly right and and it's finding that balance you mentioned in the opening talking about the balance the balance between Rules, which obviously, especially from a legal perspective, you're going to have rules around PCI compliance, and then also around the trust element of um, your your staff and employees. So, from a culture perspective, uh, I I take a look at what is the culture of the organization before we even look to create policy, mm-hmm. um, and what the strategic intent of that policy is what I've found with a lot of contact centers is that they're created as issues occur so um, they'll have a phone policy about keeping your phone off the desk and then later on they'll find out that they had some issues with web surfing so they'll create a web uh, web surfing policy and there are all these little hits so one of the things I asked them to look at is to create a more strategic view to their policy around social media. Mm-hmm. So what's your yeah. strategic view for legal and your strategic view for social media?
1: Yeah, no, so that stepping back and taking a look at, okay, what is it that we have to fulfill in terms of our strategic needs uh, uh, for the regulatory side And for the risk management side and for the just good sense side, uh, how do we bring all that together? And I I guess communicating that to your people too is key because if they understand that this is, uh, you know, to uh, be in compliance with uh, a law, it's for good reasons, right? Uh, uh, Or it's a policy that has really good reasons behind it. If you've communicated those uh, policy reasons, those legal reasons, et cetera, then you, you have them on board with you more.
2: That's exactly right. And and the goal is not, realistically, the goal should not just be compliance, but commitment to the security that's involved mm. in PCI and, and HIPAA and the commitment to good customer service when it is from a performance perspective. So although we talk about compliance, I always have the um, companies I work with focus on commitment rather than just compliance.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I like that a lot, the idea of uh, commitment to uh, security, commitment to good customer service, not just the, the compliance side. And that brings uh, people in. And, again, it's it, even if they are rules, they don't feel as much uh, that they're rules, external rules that are imposed, but rather they're, um, you know, commitments that you're being entrusted with as an agent.
2: That's that's exactly right, and, and that's why culture becomes important because, and I'm not going to say there's a right and a wrong culture for an organization. Cultures can be very different but still be good for that organization. Um, if you take two similar organizations like Federal Express and UPS, you'll see that their cultures are different, but it works for them. So I don't go in and critique a culture necessarily, but what I do is look and see if they are more of a command and control culture or more of an open culture. There needs to be some balance, obviously, but um, you need to be able to take a look at at the culture as a whole. Uh, uh, Peter Drucker, um, the management guru from from the early years, who still, um, I, I think he was, clairvoyant in his predictions um said culture will eat strategy for breakfast so you can create all your strategy you want around social media uh, and so forth but if you don't have a culture that is supportive of that it's not going to work
1: okay and so the people listening to this are the ones who have either inherited a culture are responsible for creating a culture may have to turn around a culture Uh, have you seen situations that might be instructive for our listeners in terms of how to uh, imbue a culture or maybe even turn around a culture where necessary on these issues?
2: Absolutely. The first thing I ask a a company to do is to take a look at their current compliance policies and um, how successful are they. Are they getting the (laughs) compliance that they're looking for? If they are, then um, that's already a positive step. If one of the reasons they bring, um, you know, consultant in is because they're not getting the compliance that they need, then I look more closely at the culture to say, are there things in the culture like unwritten rules? Are there unwritten rules in your culture that are stopping or uh, are, are getting in the way of the compliance?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how about us as, as managers, what, how should we hold ourselves responsible in terms of uh, modeling uh, behavior, in terms of uh, sort of setting the right tone, uh, communicating the right way? What, what are your thoughts on that, Marge?
2: Well, a- absolutely. Um, you know, I went into one organization where they kept saying to me, well, you know, um, uh, level has its privileges and managers should be able to do this and that and the, the It doesn't matter if the front line. uh, It it doesn't matter that the front line have different rules, and people will decide whether they trust a company or not by the way the front line management behaves. Um, The biggest challenge in corporations nowadays is the fact that uh, not enough are taking time to calibrate with their front line management. So, as with anything, you create a policy around self. As an example, cell phones on the floor, they're not allowed huh. to be on the desk. You have some supervisors who walk by and make excuses for some people, and then you have other supervisors who are going to run the rule as it's supposed to be. If you have that kind of variable and inconsistency in your organization, you're creating a lack of trust. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So the it's it's behavior of the frontline management becomes critical.
1: And those calibration sessions, um, what, uh, how should those be uh, handled, in, in your opinion? Is it the kind of thing where somebody says, look, uh, we have to have consistency, and so this is the way it's going to be, or we have to have consistency, so let's talk about how we're going to do this? Or uh, How have you seen that done successfully?
2: The most successful way I've seen is a collaborative effort around um, – I would hope that most contact centers or that all contact centers out there calibrate on a regular basis around, as an example, their monitoring form. So they would jointly listen to a phone call. Everybody scores it independently, and then there's a conversation about how the scores were compared to others. It's the same with a policy. You create a policy. You discuss the policy and get commitment from the front line, and then you make sure that the front front line management – understands what the compliance looks like and their commitment to it. Um, I was in a, in a contact center when I was working within the corporate environment. We had the no phone policy. And some of the directors, I was one of the directors at, at this company, um, and we had multiple directors. It was an outsourcer. Um, I, I would do um, walk-arounds and make sure that the phones were not on the on the Desks. Other directors would not require walk arounds by their managers, so they got a little lax. My group um, didn't get lax. So it's that, you know, if we make a commitment, then it has to be consistently monitored across the mm-hmm. organization or the contact floor.
1: Well, one of the things that I find too is that oftentimes there's um... Uh, something that is decided or kind of decided in a group meeting for calibration purposes and then is kind of forgotten over time. And then there's other things that come up, and they kind of, dis, you know, displace whatever's there, et cetera. And one of the things that um, uh, I've taken to li- lately, as Brian can tell you, is uh, putting things on Google Docs where everybody can get a hold of them, and you have a um, a spreadsheet with whatever the issue is, and then what the decision is, and who's responsible for the decision, and any follow-up that needs to be done, as well as any dates that may, might uh, be, be there as well. And because uh, just to inject a little bit of Italian into this, you know, you know the concept of aria fritta, no, where you. Uh, <laughs> where, you know, something is said or done, and then it just goes into fried air. You know, it sort of of goes off into the the atmosphere and and is forgotten. And and that's where, you know, you get to a point where, and I'm sure people listening to this will uh, uh, be able to relate to it. A few months later you say, oh, yeah, we talked about that. Oh, yeah, we decided that. Well, yeah, but one group is doing it, another group isn't doing it, and another group is sort of doing it. Uh, And we can't really remember exactly what it was that was decided anyway. And so if if you have uh, calibration that is also uh, sort of connected with certain decisions, and those decisions are reduced to writing, not, you know, long theses or anything, but just, you know, bullet points in a spreadsheet. And that spreadsheet is something that you look at and hold yourself accountable every time you get together, then that's one way of making sure it doesn't turn into aria frita, but in fact becomes part of the policy and the culture of the, the center. Uh, what, what do you think about that, March? Marge?
2: No, a- absolutely. So as an example, I spoke about unwritten rules, and, and what you're talking about is creating a, a policy or procedure, and then over time it wears down to people aren't doing it. That's how the flavor of the month, comes out everybody yep. gets really excited about something they initiate it and then i look at policies and procedures like plants <laughs> right you can plant the plant but if you don't go back and water it every once in a while it's going to die
0: uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah.
2: and that's the same thing with policies and procedures and what often happens is rather than going back and watering they create a new policy uh-huh. and then they create a new policy and then they create another policy, and it just becomes, you know, you can't layer. I mean, it, it, you know, I don't know if anybody's ever taken wallpaper off of a house that's been around for 80 years, but um, layer after layer is not a good system in a contact center. Less, less complicated policy, crisp and supported, is much more uh, functional than these layers upon layers of policy.
1: Yeah, so that, that's why I agree 100%. That's why, um, you know, a spreadsheet, which uh, is, you know, very much given over to bullet points, not long prose, but something that is uh, clear, concise. Uh, you can put in different columns who's responsible, what the dates are, et cetera. And then, of course, when the time comes that that policy should be changed or it goes out of date or something like that, then do it. Uh, there's nothing that says that uh, it's the U.S. Constitution and you've got to get three-quarters of the states to agree to a change. You know? <laughs> it's, uh, it's something that uh, through discussion with your management group, you can definitely change. But at least it's changed on an organized basis and on an agreed basis instead of being, as you put it, the, uh, the flavor of the month.
2: Absolutely. I, and I'm a firm believer in expiration dates. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, when 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 I go into a contact center and we start talking about rewriting policies and procedures, we put an expiration or, re- or a review date. And we yeah. space them out throughout the year so that you're not all of a sudden looking at your entire handbook um, in one sitting, but um, that there there is a continual look to it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So the, the idea here is that uh, sort of spring cleaning, is appropriate any time of year if something needs to be changed. And if you have it there, it's written down. People look at it on a regular basis. And uh, there aren't thousands of them. There shouldn't be. There should be, uh, you know, a fairly limited number of things that people are being held accountable for. And if something uh, gets passe or uh, is no longer, um, you know, appropriate, then you you clip and paste that into a you know archive part of your spreadsheet. And, and that way you can just concentrate on the top five or top ten, whatever is up there. So, uh, well, let me ask you this, Marge. What does all of sure. this, when you go into a company and you, you uh, look at what they're doing, et cetera, um, what does it tell you about a company Ways you go through these these elements?
2: Well, um, one of the things that I do is uh, just to kind of get an idea for the company is I usually ask for the dress code of the company. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, because that tells me a lot <laughs> um I walked into one company and they had a three ring binder, a three inch three ring binder <laughs> around around dress code um and that is a that that to me is a command and control, and i'm gonna write rules until you get it type of company so um it it tells me a lot <laughs> um and And I started doing that because i actually um I had the good fortune of going to um, a seminar at Disney University in Orlando, and one of the things we talked about um at that seminar was how do you manage dress code in a in a company, which is always mm. a touchy subject and And what I liked about what they did and and they have a fascinating new hire program um but anyway the applicants come into this big auditorium and of course this is disney so they had these videos that they play but all they simply do they do they do two things that caught my eye they first show a table and they throw keys or a bus and a bus pass on the table and they say as long as you have one of these two you'll have no problem here which they're Uh sending the message that we expect you to show up for work. (laughs) And then they took the same person, put them in um, business attire or casual business attire, and then more clubbing (laughs) attire or, (laughs) or, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. And they said, if you look like this when you come to work, no problem. If you look like this when you come to work, we'll have a conversation.
1: Yeah. It's so, interesting, too, because you probably noticed uh, that sometimes, and I'm sure this will resonate with a lot of people on the phone, uh, there is a generational, uh, you know, difference here, and certain certain uh, sort of ingrained senses of what's appropriate and what's not um, seems to have changed over time.
2: Absolutely. And that's always a challenge, and, and um, it's difficult for the um, – more mature management team to let go of some of those issues and for the younger group not to get as frustrated with the changeover from one to the other. But um, companies have also experimented obviously with with dress code and all of that. But um, that's why I look at things to see if it's a rules dominated because the challenge becomes this, the more rules you put in place, the less people think. Uh-huh. And nowadays, because it's all about knowledge workers, not actually physical laborers, especially in contact centers, you want people to actually be able to think quickly and respond quickly and not be rules-guided necessarily. So you want that balance between the two, and that's what compliance is all about.
1: Yeah. Well, And a lot of companies have these unwritten rules that uh, guide behavior, uh, some in a good way, sometimes counterproductive, um, and sometimes it's just the way it's expressed, isn't it? The way uh, the management team thinks about it. Uh, what What are your thoughts on that?
2: A- absolutely, I, you know, it's, it's the verbiage becomes critical. So um, one of the things that I also look at is how things are written. So are things written with positive intent? Um, you know, if you look at the, if you look at the term. Uh, parents use this a lot with kids. Uh, and it happens in contact centers still where, um, you know, parents will say, don't let me catch you. And then you can fill in the blank. Well, Mm -hmm. don't let me catch you is not a positive intent statement. And it's the unwritten rule is if you, you know, as long as you do it and I don't see it, you can get away with it. Uh So don't let me catch you does not instill any kind of accountability, ownership, or commitment to making something right. It actually, especially depending on the personality of the child, um, actually is a dare. You know, right. just don't let me catch you. So can you get away with it without it? So the unwritten rules become really how the how the contact center will govern itself.
1: Wow. Yeah. No, that's that's so important. Uh, and you know, treating people like adults and then having them take responsibility and accountability like adults is so important, and therefore the words that we use, as, as you're so attuned to, uh, are, are so, so important. Um, well, good. We're going to be getting over to uh, some questions that, that Brian has, but uh, is there any other thought that you wanted to add before we get to the questions?
2: No. Um, that's, that's really the, – the, the main thing is to look at, at the, your current state, how compliant, committed your, your staff is, And are you a more rules or more uh, accountable-driven organization? And then write your policies accordingly.
1: Perfect. Okay, great. Well, these are great insights, and uh, let's see what uh, Brian has in terms of questions. Over
0: to you, Brian. Great. Thanks, Bruce. You know, you just uh, mentioned positive intent, so I'm going to start with this one. Uh, Chris wrote in, how do we check if we're communicating with positive intent?
2: Great, um, great question. I love I love talking about positive intent. Um, you look at your the best thing to do is look at your policies and your forms to start with, uh, and I always start with the monitoring form. I go in and look at um, the monitoring form. If your monitoring form is in the your your sentences are in the form of questions, then you're actually in doubt that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. If your monitoring form is in positive statements, those are positive intent statements. So as an example, did the agent close the call correctly? So that's you know, so did they or didn't they? Whereas if you say the agent closed the call correctly. That's a positive statement. If it's positive then great and if it's not, it's not bad but it's an area of improvement and then again it's a positive statement. So monitoring form is the quickest way to take a look at it. Um, The other things are um, verbiage and policies, how you write your performance appraisals, how you have conversations during your monitoring process. Um, If you are a telling organization, telling tends to be pretty um, uh, forceful and not always in, from a positive intent. Um, I'll give you an example that I that uh, I helped with one of my managers in a previous job. Uh, he did not uh, play well in the sandbox. People did not like him because every time they came up with an idea, he would say, well, that's not going to work because. That's a negative statement. Um, I asked him to change his verbiage because he was always spot on, but he just turned people off. So I asked him to say instead, in order to make this work, this is what we need to change. And overnight, it made such an impact on people because now you were positioning it as something possible, not something not possible.
1: Mm. Wow, uh, th- that's great Great input there. And you know, in thinking about monitoring, if we change the, uh, the concept there to mind-opening, because uh, that's what we're trying to do. What, what you obviously did with that person was to open his mind to the way he was communicating. And if we are opening minds of um, uh, agents, uh, you know, supervisors and agents to how they're doing it, then then we're monitoring. We're, we're going from monitoring to mentoring, and and that's really one of the things that we want to do here. Uh,
0: so, yeah, great.
2: Absolutely. So,
0: and I have, uh, I have one more that is related to intent, so I thought I'd throw this in now, too, from Sage. Sage asking now, what do you, uh, what do you mean intent before content?
2: So when, when you're writing policies or, or you're, you're, um, you're going to explain to people, the way you move them from compliance to commitment is for them to understand the reason why. So if you just throw a rule out there without explaining the reason why behind it, people don't um, have a way to connect with it. So, um, and, and it's also a, a very typical customer service uh, type of thing that if you're going to explain something to a customer, giving the intent of something before actually saying something. So as an example in... Um, in a compliance policy, if the idea is not to keep your phone on the desk, that your phone has to be put away during your time at your, at your desk, you can say you have to keep your phone off the desk, and that's, that's the policy. But giving the intent beforehand is um, our customers um, expect and we want to give them our full attention Phones beeping on top of the desk are distracting. So therefore, our policy is that phones have to be put away while you're on the uh, on a call, or while you're sitting at your desk. So now you're explaining why, um, and it it gets them to be more engaged. Well, yeah, I, you know, I need to be focused on my customer. Does that make sense?
1: Uh-huh.
2: Yeah, that makes great yeah.
1: sense, and uh, I think it's really good input for for our listeners. So, yeah, do you have one more call because we're getting to the bottom of the hour uh,
0: hour here? One more question, uh Brian? Yeah, you bet. Uh, I got one more from Sydney, and uh, it's all about the unwritten rules. Right? <laughs> How can I find out what some of our unwritten rules are?
2: <laughs> yeah, um, that that's going to be take a little digging, um, but. Uh, And they come in all sorts of forms. So uh, when I I was, again, part of a a consulting project, I was working with some people, and uh, part of the challenge was that uh, they would have these projects that were fairly long in duration, a couple of months, and they were very stressful for people because they never seemed to get done until the very last. At the 11th hour, everybody chips in, works 24 hours, kind of like college kids do when they cram for an exam. Um, Let's get it all done. Uh, And it was very stressful for the organization. So um, as part of the culture assessment and whatever, I took a look at it, um, talked with a lot of people on projects. What was happening is that the unwritten rule was that if you want to get recognized you have to wait till the very last minute and pull an all nighter, and then you will get all sorts of recognition from upper management. If your project came, was pacing along well, you never got recognition for that. So, what they ended up doing was changing their rewards and recognition programs to mm-hmm. celebrate milestones and um, not, and again, from a positive intent perspective. If you truly want a positive intent organization you do not uh, focus on what's not working you focus on what is working by ignoring what's not working globally and then um address it individually you take the focus off so it's like you know little kids screaming and yelling in a store the more you tell them to stop the louder they scream <laughs> Um, So you want to not look at negative behavior. So by looking at the milestones and creating that kind of recognition within a very – I think the project that they started right after we had this aha moment with the senior uh, management team, they were able to to see the improvement as soon as they handed out that first recognition for hitting a milestone. Um, And it it caught on very quickly, and they they were able – not always easy to change culture, but in that particular perspective, they were able to change it really quickly. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and that's where a spreadsheet could come in handy, too, in terms of uh, setting out milestones and uh, uh, sort of parsing things out. Uh, I love that idea. I think that's great. And, and you know, the amount of um, angst that it can you can get rid of by doing things that way, and also the amount of money you can save. By doing things properly uh, on this is is pretty amazing. If you have a um, company that's run on culture in terms of uh, you know being compliant, etc., instead of running on rules, uh, the money that you can save can be be enormous. And uh, that's where sometimes you know having a consultant come and come in and uh, take a look at things and make some suggestions can can actually pay some really big dividends. So, um, well, th- this has been great. I mean, uh, tons of really good uh, insights. We really appreciate this, Marge. Unfortunately, we've come way too soon to the end of our our half hour program here. But uh, thank you very much. Are there any uh, final things you'd like to say?
2: No, I. I the best thing to do is, is assess your organization, decide what your strategy is, and make sure that you have a culture that will support that. Mm-hmm. And then
1: life will be good. Uh, Very good. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Life will be good. Absolutely. Okay. Well, molte grazie. Thank you very much. We really appreciate
2: it. Prego. (laughs)
0: Grazie. Okay. (laughs) Fantástico.
1: Okay. With that, we'll uh, pass over to Brian and uh, to wrap things up.
0: Sounds good. Thanks, Bruce. So, Marge, let me ask you if this sounds right and it's done with the correct intention. Brian intends to end the show. <laughs> Positively, that intense That is clear to Wrap intent. up the show.
2: Not <laughs> <laughs> right. <good>. Yes, <laughs> that's right. Just check. <laughs>
0: Uh, love it. Thank you to Marge and Bruce for another great show on Call Talk, and uh, also uh, just another reminder that we have lots of different topics that we approach on Call Talk. Uh, over the last five years, we've been doing the show. So if you're working on a certain initiative, I'm sure we have a show that's going to match that. So check that out on benchmarkportal.com in our Call Talk archive sections. So of course, from all of us here at Benchmark Portal, keep those headsets steady and your fingers ready. This is Brian Carrington signing <laughs> out. Have a great day. Okay, now I'll end the show. (laughs) Take care.